0: Everybody, uh, welcome back to the Bowfishing Buzz, episode number seventy, brought to you by AMS Bowfishing and Megamouth Bowfishing as well. That's right, you did not hear D. Schmidty's voice. We are going solo today as Derek is on his way to the airport right now. He's flying down to Missouri for a sales meeting. So um, yeah, flying solo today on episode seventy of the Bowfishing Buzz, and we've got a great show. Uh, joining us in about 15 minutes will be Christina Hayden from Virginia. And she is a new BAA, Boat Association of America, president. Uh, she just got voted on here a couple weeks ago. So it's going to be great to talk to Christina. Um, like I said, she lives in Virginia. And uh, I'm really curious to find out what boat fishing is like in Virginia um, and then we're also going to be discussing some of the issues and hot topics that are up right now in the bow fishing world. Um, you know, what some of our goals are and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's going to be a great show. For those of you that aren't going to be seeing the YouTube podcast, I've got my buddy here, uh, Mr. Carpolo Joe, joining us here. We've got the same uh, AMS sweatshirt on here. And uh, you're taking the place for D. Schmini today. So thanks for joining us here on the Bow Fishing Buzz. Hey, hey, hey. I tell you what. Um, I am so happy and glad that I enjoy the outdoors. Um, The other day, I was sitting in my tree stand last Saturday morning and um, get out there in the dark. And, of course, the sun comes up. And just watching the whole fall woods come to life is simply amazing. Um, Same goes for bow fishing. You all can relate to this. You're on the water. Uh, you're getting ready for that nighttime bowfishing adventure. And some of the sunsets that we see are just spectacular. The colors of the sun bouncing off the clouds. Uh, the silhouette of the wood line on the tree, uh, you know, uh, the, the tree line in the woods reflecting off the water. And uh, just spectacular. Um, last night I was sitting in my tree stand after work. And uh, here now in central Wisconsin, we had a lot of leaves that have fallen. And um, it's, it's pretty noisy in the woods right now. It's like walking on a bag of potato chips. And I was sitting up in my stand, and um, around a little before 6 o'clock, I could hear the distinct sounds of a deer, you know, coming my way there. And um, I grabbed my bow, and um, I could see a flicker of a tail. And then the deer came up from the underbrush there. And I was like, whoa, that's a pretty nice buck. Wasn't expecting that. Um, grabbed my Bionox and I put the Bionox on him, and um, really nice eight point, just a really beautiful rack. Um, a little bit wider than the ears. And um, he came walking behind me. And it, one thing that was kind of cool is we don't get a lot of uh, dark chocolate antlers here, uh, in this area for some reason. And I noticed that right away that his, he had kind of that darkish antler look on him, which is really cool. And um, He came walking on the side of me uh, and went into some thicker brush and uh, was rubbing his antlers up on some brush there and pawing at the ground. And uh, he did that about three times, walking through there and then eating some acorns here and there. And then he actually offered me a 24-yard broadside, not a twig in the way, uh, shot and um, just a really neat-looking deer. And it was tempting. It was very tempting, I'll tell you that um but eventually i just hung my bowl back up and watched him with the bionox and took a little video of them and then he just slowly walked away and disappeared um but what a cool thing and i and as i'm sitting there i'm thinking man i feel lucky to just have seen that and i was thinking about somebody that never gets a chance to see that and and how lucky we are that we enjoy the outdoors we love the outdoors and uh, for somebody that doesn't get a chance to see that, I feel sorry for them. Um, just like fishing or bow fishing, I feel sorry that they don't get to experience that the things that we get to experience, uh, the things that we get to see. You know, um, I can't imagine living in a big city. For one, I never will. <laughs> but I can't imagine growing up and living in a big city and the trees that I see are are planted along the sidewalk. Um, the park is really the only place that you get to go see a big old red oak or a white oak or a pine tree or a pond, you know, or see ducks. I can't imagine that's where, where, where you see that stuff. at. Um, I feel sorry for the people that just don't get a chance to enjoy the outdoors like we do because it truly is amazing. And, um, yeah, I just like I said, I was sitting in a tree stand and enjoyed that uh, beautiful sunrise last Saturday morning and watching the woods come alive. And then, of course, you sit in the afternoons and, you, and the sun sets and you see those amazing colors again. And um, just to witness all that stuff, like I said, if you're not coming out of the woods or getting done bow fishing and, and, and you're not happy, then you need to change it because the outdoors should make you happy and feel alive and love the things that you're seeing. Um, the outdoors is free. Uh, there is no charge for it. You can, you can, It's there for the taking, so enjoy it because it is beautiful. And like I said, I feel sorry for the people that just don't get a chance to enjoy it and um, appreciate. And I, and I bet you that if you took one of those people from the cities that does not hunt, that does not fish, they don't like it, I bet you if... I would love to take somebody out and have them sit next to me in a tree stand. Ride along with me in the boat fishing boat. Go along with me to the Mississippi River to go fishing for some perch. Uh, go out west and, and go on a duck or goose hunt. I bet a lot of those people would change their minds. Because I think a lot of the stuff they see right now is on social media. And they only see the end results of most of the stuff. They see you holding up a fish. They see you holding up a big elk. They see you with a bunch of ducks. I don't think they see the whole journey through. And I think a lot of those people would change their minds if they could come sit right next to me, up in a tree stand, and see the deer that I'm seeing. I think they think that I shoot at everything that I see, everything that I see I'm shooting at, which just isn't true. I absolutely appreciate and love watching, watching that eight-point buck walk by me there the last night. Um, I enjoy watching two little year-and-a-half-old bucks sparring and fighting right next to me. I enjoy watching a Doan or two fawns walking by. Now, do I like to eat it? Absolutely. I want to shoot some deer. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to lay some down. I love venison. And I didn't have to go to the grocery store to get a lot of my hamburger and meat. So, um, yeah, just feel really fortunate um, that you get to enjoy the outdoors because it's a magical place. It's a wonderful place, and um, just enjoy it. Always come out of, of the woods off the water with a smile on your face and be happy because it's, uh, it's there for the taking, and it's a wonderful place to be. So, so with that, uh, we're going to move on. I've actually got something here called the multi-billion dollar threat. Wow. Wow multi-billion dollar threat and this goes out to uh, silvers and bakeheads um, uh, that are found throughout the Mississippi River Basin and they are capable of widespread destruction which we all kind of knew that for a while um, research has shown the carp would find a hospital new home in the Great Lakes potentially doing millions of dollars of worth of damage every year and we've all kind of known that was happening but some of these numbers here are just gonna staggering of what is spent on these. Um, the Great Lakes states and federal government already expand considerable money and effort to prevent an invasion into the Great Lakes. Now listen to, listen to this. It cost about 13 million annually to operate electric barriers on the Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal. Near the Chicago suburb of Lockport, which keep carp from swimming up the canal into the Chicago River and then into the Lake Michigan, thirteen million dollars annually to run that those electric barriers right there in those in those canals. Wow, that's a lot of money. Now this is I I, I did not know this. I knew about the electric barrier, and I thought that's what it, that's what the, our defense was to keep them out of the Great Lakes. Um, the current system has limitations, though. For example, the electric barriers sag when barges pass through, creating brief windows where fish could potentially pass through unscathed. All right, the Corps is working to close those loopholes by building a new barrier in Lockport, capable of delivering a stronger jolt. The Brandon Road Interbasin Project. On the Des Plaines River, about 12 miles south of the existing lockport barriers, will add yet another layer of protection. Now, the invasive carp traveling upstream toward the lock and dam would face a gauntlet that begins with commercial fishing downstream of the Joliet structure. Now, if the fish evade the nets, they will swim into a column of bubbles meant to prevent carp and their eggs and larva from reaching and hitching a ride in the surf in the crevices around the barges so bubbles so not only electric barriers you got uh commercial fish netters you got uh bubbles to prevent the eggs and larva from hitching a ride around the barges so i think the bubbles are meant to push them a different way because eggs of course are buoyant. after that, another bubble screen and noise broadcast into the water, prompting fish to escape the annoyance by swimming away from the lock instead of congregating below the impassable dam where fishermen await. Now, fish undeterred by the bubbles and the noise will encounter electric barriers and another field of speakers further upstream. Now, the choruses, once completed, this, the, the chance of carp swimming upstream into the Great Lakes is virtually impossible. Boy, that's a big word to use right there when you're dealing with silver carp in my mind. Virtually impossible. And these carp these silvers, I mean, they're slowly moving north. Cold water temps and stuff is moving south. Salter, brackish waters, you know, I, these carp are they can withstand a lot that we throw at them. So for them to say that it will be uh, you know, virtually impossible. For them to get into the Great Lakes, that's that's saying a lot. Um, now they're adding some more barriers that will be complete in 2030 at the earliest. Now they say it will be an expensive undertaking, building these barriers coming in at 858 million dollars, and six to eight years of construction time. Eight hundred and fifty eight million dollars to keep silvers out of the Great Lakes. And thirteen million dollars annually to run what's there right now. Not not I'm sure there's gonna be more money adding more electric barriers gonna be costing more annually to run those. That's just crazy. I found this interesting. But Great Lakes advocates call that chump change compared to the possible cost of carp invasion. Chump change. Eight hundred and fifty eight million is chump change. Wow. What I do find interesting though is um so you're you're doing all this, spending all this money and investing all these barriers to keep the the carp, uh the silvers out of uh Lake Michigan. But what about the rest of the Mississippi River basin and the Mississippi River itself? Shouldn't they be looking at that? Um, hmm. just something to think about and just something that I wanted to share with you because I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, what's being spent, um, to keep the silver out all the Great Lakes. Um, virtually impossible. That's hard. That's a big word to say when you're dealing with silver carp and, um, $858 million chump change compared to the possible cost of a carp invasion. Wow. All right. So, uh, I think it's time for some BAA records. We've got a bunch of them and, uh, we got some youth records, which is awesome, so awesome to always see. How about Ava McCoy on her North Carolina youth record, Stingray, weighing 59.5 pounds? Then we move on to Zane Sherado on his North Dakota youth record, Common Carp, weighing 14.5 pounds. Then we've got Xander Childs on his Louisiana BAA youth and youth world record, Silver Carp, Weighing 38.4 pounds. Way to go. Very cool. Then we've got Paisley Polisek on her Kentucky youth record, Silver Carp, weighing 29 pounds. How about this? How about Dylan Camus on his Louisiana state record and BAA world record Lemon Shark, weighing 247.2 pounds. Wow. I remember seeing video of Cindy here, the owner of Amos Boat Fishing. She shot a lemon shark down in Louisiana a couple years back. And I remember seeing footage of that shark. When she shot that shark, that shark went, like, from a slow swim to, like, 50 miles an hour alongside the boat and then back out in a heartbeat. So uh, I can't imagine what Dylan, I bet you he was pretty pumped up uh, and the old adrenaline was pumping on that. So really cool ready to go Dylan How about Jason Newhouse on his Pennsylvania BAA state record river carp sucker weighing 5 pounds and then we've got Jackson Newhouse on his BAA Pennsylvania Pennsylvania youth record river carp sucker weighing 4 pounds Really cool so we've got a father son going out and shooting two Pennsylvania BAA state records on the same night, same type of fish, carp sucker, river carp suckers. Really cool. Really cool. And then we're going to round it up with uh, Valkyrie Rank on her BAA Pennsylvania youth record channel catfish weighing 14.5 pounds. Congratulations to the most recent BAA record holders. Great job. Way to get out there and way to get it done bow fishing. Awesome deal. So we're going to give Christina a call here right after this break. Why I Bowfish. Hunting fish with a bow, nonstop action, never slow. By day, by night, great shots, great fights. With family, with friends, trash talk never ends. And kids, they love it. If they miss, think nothing of it. By foot, by boat, by board or canoe. How you do it is up to you. Aim low, shoot fast. Watch your shadow, watch the grass. Shoot carp, raise or gar. Shoot them close, shoot far. Stout arrow, barb tip. Retriever reel, let a rip. Bow fishing, give it a shot. And welcome back to the Bowfishing Buzz, episode number 70, brought to you by AMS Bowfishing and Megamoth Bowfishing, as D. Schmidt would always say. So let's give uh, Christina a call here. Let's give Christina a call, new BAA president. Hello. Hey, Christina, this is Matthew from the Bowfishing Buzz. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: We are doing great. I can't complain. It's uh, October here in central Wisconsin. The leaves are changing, Uh, sitting in the tree stand, um, doing some bow fishing work on the boat, getting ready for next year. So everything's great here. What about Virginia?
1: It is finally starting to cool off a little bit. It's been about in the 60s. Bow season has also started. Uh, The bow fishing is still doing pretty good. Uh, We just had one of our final tournaments up here with the youth involved. Nice, and uh, just getting ready for fall and winter time.
0: Very cool. Are, are the leaves changing out there as well, Christina? Uh,
1: a little bit, not too much okay. yet. Not All too right. much yet.
0: Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. So, for our listeners and myself, um, you want to give us a little background on yourself, uh, some of the hobbies, where you live, and stuff like that. Sure. So I
1: live in Southern Virginia on Lake Gaston. We're right up on the border of North Carolina. I've lived here for about six years with my husband. Uh, my hobbies outside of obviously bow fishing. Right. We like to hunt, you know, hunting together, being outdoors. I have a 15 year old daughter, so she keeps me busy. Nice. I am um, currently in school, finished to work on my degree in special education. So that takes up a lot of my... Free time, um, hobbies. We just got a dog, so spending time with him, <laughs> and just getting out on the water as much as possible in the summer.
0: Gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. So, I'm just curious. I've never been to Virginia. Um, what is what is bow fishing like in Virginia? You know, I, I just, you know, I'm so used to here in Wisconsin our flowages and the Mississippi River. But uh, what is, like, you got a lot of big lakes, or is it mainly rivers and some of the species that you're going after, Christina?
1: It's mostly tidal rivers that we fish. There are a few lakes you can hit um, during the spawn. But, like, most places that have lakes, the homeowners are not very bowfisher friendly. So we usually avoid lakes as much as possible and target, you know, tidal water and even down into the salt water uh, in the summertime.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so those lakes, I'm, so are they very populated? Are they have a lot of houses on them? Is that one of the reasons why?
1: Yes. The yep. one that we live on Lake Gaston is very populated, very lot of money on it as well. And so, you know, mm-hmm. they believe that they own the water and right. we just try not to cause any controversy. Exactly. Um, And bring any negative to it there, especially living there.
0: Sure, sure. What are some of the species that you target in that tidal waters and stuff like that?
1: One of the bigger ones that we will target is, of course, grass carp. Mm. uh, The catfish, big catfish. We have. Uh, We have snakeheads. Oh, cool! Which are very very popular. We have goldfish, bowfin, obviously gar, and commons. That um, those are pretty much our target species in the tidal waters.
0: That's cool, cool. I did uh, I did look at some of the pictures on your Facebook page there, and you got some really nice grass carp out there. Really nice, oh yeah. You know, some big tankers look like.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we um. That was going to be my when I put my world's bid in the other year. It was going to be yes. the tidal waters, and uh, obviously we went to Louisiana instead. So I held a tournament with the same, you know regulations and bodies of water to to show people what it would have possibly been like and sure. that ended up being a really good tournament.
0: Well, that's cool, that's cool. So so um Christina um being that you have a pretty good pile of species you go chase after, what is your favorite to target?
1: I would say my favorite to target would have to be a mixture either between big grassies or big uh, catfish. Or in the summertime, I love shooting stingrays. I love the salt water because that is one of the species that we can target in daytime. Cool. So that's just nice to be out on the water in the daytime and feel a little sun. But then after about one or two trips, the stingrays are pretty hard on the equipment. So go back to (laughs) fresh water.
0: (laughs) So, Christina, do you compete in both tournaments? Like I said, I know that you put in a bid uh, for 2022 to have the Worlds in Virginia. And I'm just curious if you do compete in a lot of tournaments out there.
1: I do, I do.
0: Cool. And um, what 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 is your favorite part about Boforson tournaments?
1: Well, out here, I'm probably one of the very few people that host tournaments. Oh, cool. So putting in the work to them. Um, but my favorite part of hosting tournaments, honestly, is seeing all the people from that will come from all over and that you don't See all the time um I do while I do host them I don't get to chat with them as much so um being able to have some free time and catching up with people obviously the competing and Mm -hmm. that energy that tournaments bring unless you experience one it's hard to describe but just the energy you get from them going up preparing for them making new friends seeing people you know seeing how other people Fish and what, how they compete. I just really enjoy the whole overall like aspect of the competition part of it.
0: That, that, that's that's so right on, Christina. Because that's what I enjoy about tournaments is meeting new friends, seeing old friends, and and I just love the different types of uh, gear and different little gadgets here and there on people's boats that they have. That you know, not because, like I said, every boat fishing boat is different. Nothing's the oh, same. Yeah. And it's so cool to just see everybody. Like you said, the energy. It's um there's there's you know it's great if you have never competed in both tournaments. I highly recommend it. Um, Absolutely. and just it's a learning process of tournaments too, you mm-hmm. know. I can remember sure. competing in my first one. I was scared to death. I was nervous, I was a wreck, you know. But um after that tournament was done, I was like, that's was really cool. I'm gonna go back to more <laughs> <Yes. to this." laughs> I still,
1: I mean, I still get nervous every time. I don't think that I would ever not be nervous. And if I don't get nervous, I think that's the time, you know, it's time to give it up. But yeah, for sure. When you just, and being able um, to watch everybody take off, we had started doing like one ramp launches. And so to see, like you said, the different boats, you can have a $5,000 boat, you can have a $100,000 boat. And just, it is a wide variety. And getting other people's perspective from the boat ramp you know, asking questions and them just watching it, you know, it is such a cool thing
0: to experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, if you've never competed in tournaments, you know, give it a try. I mean, because one thing that I really took away from tournaments was I learned a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, the first couple, you know, tournaments that we were shooting in the first couple of years, you know, we'd come back to weigh-ins and I was like, I think we did pretty good only to find out we got our butts whooped, you know? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what is going on here? I thought we did good. You know, and, and you were like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. So it, it also pushes you to learn stuff, and that's where it really opens the door to, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought about this, or I would have never thought about going to this spot also, you know? yeah. So, so it really opens the door yep. to your experience in bow fishing beyond just tournaments.
1: It does. I mean, it is obviously – they're fish and they're they're somewhat predictable, but for the most part, you have to put in the work right. to figure out you know, and pattern them. And just because they were there last year or last week, they might not be there. So you have to, sometimes you get lucky and don't scout and the fish are there. And other times mm-hmm. you can scout for hundreds of miles and not, still not find anything. So that always makes you have to keep reinventing what you're doing and how exactly. you're approaching things.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on for sure. Now now prior to running for the BA president Christina uh you were already a BA board member and um were you also on on the board with the bowfishing association of Virginia or something like that as well?
1: Um I am part of out here we have a couple different clubs in Virginia. Okay. Recently I had taken over um It was called Southern Virginia Bow Fishing Club. And last year we rebranded it to be Mid-Atlantic Bow Fishing Club to more encompass, because we do have so many people that come from Maryland and North Carolina, South Carolina. So we wanted to kind of encompass more states and open up our scope of people that we are Mm -hmm. seeing and making more events in those places. So um, that is what I currently run here. But yes, I've been on the BAA board for the last three years now as the secretary treasurer okay. in that position.
0: Got you. Got you. So, you know, hats off to you because that's a lot of your personal time that you're spending, you know, for the sport of bullfishing. So, so we would thank you for that a lot, Christina, right there.
1: Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it It is a lot of work. I remember when, uh, my phone rang and Alan was calling me and I had no idea why he would be calling me. Um, <laughs> and asked me if I'd be interested in it. And I was like, sure, you know, how hard can it be? It's just, you know, keeping up with the financials. Well, little did I know all of that <laughs> it really did entail, um, but they have been awesome and, you know, getting things to be run so smoothly and the work that it, it does take a lot of work and personal time. And um, my husband can attest to that. He's very sure. patient and, and gracious with all the time that I spend doing it. But once we've gotten into a flow with things, it pretty much can manage itself. Obviously the busiest times are voting and preparing for worlds, which isn't all year necessarily, but mm-hmm. it still does take quite some time.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. So, so, you know, myself along with a lot of other fishers out there, we thank you for your, your work in the bullfishing community. Really appreciate that, Christina. Of course, of course. So, so I'm going to back up here a little bit. Um, I always love this question because I think it's a really cool question and um, it really, a lot of different tales in this here. So I want to know how did you get started in bullfishing? fishing um, and, and who was the one that kind of took you out the first time and got you out there bullfishing.
1: fishing? Uh, well, I did not grow up in a hunting or fishing family. Okay. So I didn't start, I was, I was dating somebody and he bowfished and hunted And I was like, what do you mean bow fishing? I've, I've never heard of this. (laughs) And so I tagged along for a few times and, you know, watching them stand on the front of the boat, you know, obviously the boat's moving, everything's moving. And then they're shooting into the water. I was like, there's no way. I don't, this is not possible. (laughs) Like I'm so confused. And then I kept watching. I was like, okay, I think I want to try it. And I remember first time it was just not, it did not go well. And then, um, Finally, I remember the first fish I ever shot was a long gar. It was a little dink fish, but I just remember <laughs> hitting it and watching my arrow go crazy. Cool. I was like, okay. I was like, that's not so bad. I can do this. And it has stuck since then for sure. Cool. I remember telling my parents what I was doing. And my mom was like, what? I don't understand. You don't like to be dirty or outdoors. And I was like, well, I'm changing. this, is, I'm, And I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> that, that's
0: really cool. Um I think it's really cool of how you started it out by saying that, you know, your family really wasn't into the outdoors and hunting and stuff like that there. Because I was yep. just talking about that in the intro of, you know, how, how lucky we are to be able to enjoy the outdoors. Like I was sitting in my tree stand every the morning and just watching the sunrise come up and the woods coming to life, you know, and just seeing oh, all yeah. that. And, you know, I'm, you can attest to this, I'm sure, out in Virginia, you know, when you're getting ready to go out on a night of water – and the, the some of the sunsets are just spectacular. The colors and the clouds are just beautiful. And, um, you know, a lot I, of people don't yeah. get to see that and witness that. And I feel kind of bad for the people that live in the big cities that they can't see that type of stuff.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, I well, I can't even tell you how many sunsets or even the best nights are when you have the sunset and the sunrise pictures from, like, your right. whole adventure out. Yes. Um, you know, we've seen different you know aqua we 've seen dolphins swimming oh, wow. sometimes just the, just the stuff that you can see and experience yeah it is definitely um mm-hmm. i'm thankful to have gotten involved in it and be able to experience it because right. it has brought some of the best memories for sure
0: exactly exactly so you're out there you're 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 part of the mid atlantic um, bow fishing association uh you're hosting tournaments you're the secretary for the BEA. Now you wanted to become the BA president, put a a bid in for that. What made you want (laughs) to do that?
1: (laughs) I guess I just figured I had enough free time. (laughs) After um, our spring meeting, when we were out in Memphis, a couple of people had said, how would you feel about, you know, us putting a nomination for you to become the president? I was like, absolutely not. I've barely got my feet wet as being in this position you know, maybe in a couple of years, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,, mm-hmm. and so then last year, you know, Pete said he was wanted was interested, and so I said, okay, well, I'll stay on the board another year, and maybe with a different board, you know, I can get a real good variety of how things have been run, and um I just it just felt like the right move for me, Sure. you know i I kind of don't want to say it's something I wanted to check off, but it is kind of, kind of was like a goal, like okay, let me see if I can do this and." Justin Cook and I have been talking because obviously he won the bid for world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what, I'm just going to, re- you know, take my nomination down. You can have it. We, and I was like, absolutely not. I said, you know, I didn't have to be voted into the position I'm in now. And I don't want this one to be handed to me. I want to either win it or not win it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, if it's meant to be, I'll do it and I'll stay on. And if not, I'll stay on as secretary and we'll keep rolling. Sure. And he was like, I understand. so, you know, there wasn't a lot of the ugly sometimes campaigning that um, previous elections have brought. And Mm -hmm. the eyes on it have seemed to not be so much. There's so much uh, attention on the association right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so trying to figure out because we have had very limited bids for worlds and not a lot of interest in running for member, you know, office positions and going to try to work on, see, you know, what's going on with that and get my feet wet in this president position now.
0: Cool, cool. So, you know, that's a, I'm just curious, are you still part of the uh, Mid-Atlantic then also, or did you kind of give those jobs to somebody else?
1: I am still uh, involved in that. We have kind of set up a board with that over the, you know, towards the end of the summer. Okay. A couple of people came to me and said, hey, I think we need to get a board going. And some people, how official do we want to make this? And to me, it's a fine line between making it super official and I still want to have fun with it. Right. You know, it was kind of getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying myself. It was becoming a lot of nitpicky stuff with some people. Um. And the the people that came forth and said, you know, we kind of all agreed, hey, let's set up some people that are in charge. um, But I still kind of will be the head of that, which thankfully also kind of runs itself. And there's not quite as large as the BAA. so. um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I have a good set of guys that want to help me with that. And so I think we're going to keep running that as well.
0: Well, good. We wish you the best of luck with that as well. Very cool. Thank you. So um, now that you are the BA president, um, what changes, if any, would you see happen within the BAA? Got any plans moving to... forward?
1: <laughs> uh, I have a few plans moving forward. Okay. Nothing too, too major. Sure. Like I said, I want to reach out and see why there has been the lower interest in worlds. Um, mm-hmm. Justin, have I kind of bounced ideas of doing some sort of you know drawings for people that are state reps who can get the most people signed up so we can increase our paid membership Um, how do we do that better if we have uh, a state rep you know if i have two state reps in virginia and they each get 10 people to sign up that's 20 people for one state i want to see Mm -hmm. more states better represented because when things do happen there's nobody there and it's hard for everybody in office to come to all of those meetings in different States. So if we right. can get a good set of, okay, I know there's problems in Oklahoma. Hey, we have a hundred paid members in Oklahoma. They're going to show up and show up to this meeting. That'll show them, Hey, we are serious. We are professional and we know what we're doing here. Right.
0: right, And, and that's another reason as it's important to have, you know, as many BAA members as we can, because it shows that, hey, this is a large group that are dedicated to this sport, you know, instead of just going there with a group of, you know, 50 members. Um, that's why it's really right. important for people to join the BA to go and, and fight some of these battles that are happening in different states right now um, because Absolutely. it's going to affect all of us, you know. So we need that that fight for us in that bow fishing world as well.
1: Absolutely. We um, are seeing some of those trickle effects out here. In Virginia and Maryland, um, a little over two years ago, we were approached by one of the guys in wildlife and said, hey, these new regulations are getting ready to come down. We just want y'all to be aware of them. Um, Several years back, they put a limit on our GAR and Bowfin to five per person per per day because they were native species. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year, it went to one GAR, one Bowfin per person per day from, like, the end of April through the middle of June, so, like, the spawning season, and we said, hey, why are y'all doing this? You know, five was a huge cut, you know, five was the first limit that had been put, and people had kind of taken that and been okay with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the one is just being very crazy, and they just, they had no data to back it up,
0: sure.
1: um, and so they did, you know, we can submit, you know, your feedback for these things, and we just had very low feedback that went into the state. So when it came to, you know, pass it, there wasn't a lot of feedback from people. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was passed and people were like, oh, my goodness, we didn't know about this. And I said, guys, you know, we tried to push this out here. You guys weren't paying attention. Right. And now it, it's done. And so now Maryland um, is looking at what we have done, what has happened in Virginia and are getting ready to start passing some of theirs just because of what is based in our state
0: exactly It doesn't um, take much to get that ball rolling on their side
1: it doesn't and we made right. it very clear everybody had feedback that said you know we do not mind you changing these regulations as long as you have data and evidence that this needs to happen mm-hmm. you know we want to obviously conserve the native species but you're just changing this to change it which we right. didn't support mm-hmm. um and in virginia those laws go every two years so we're hoping that when it's time to come back for that, that maybe we can have a better fight and say, hey, can we at least go back to the five or what can we do to make this a little bit better for everybody?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So so that's why if, you know, if you're not a BA member already, you know, we need you to be on that membership. Um, Absolutely. You, you still offer the free membership, Christina, yet?
1: Yes, we still offer the free membership, and then when your membership expires at the end of the calendar year, it automatically rolls over to free, but where we are able to really track the members is from, obviously, the paid membership, mm-hmm. which is either the $25 or the $50 option, so, gotcha. but gotcha. yes, any membership is better than no membership, right. for sure, though.
0: yep, yep, and if you plan on shooting in the Worlds next year, you have to be a BA member, so you get signed up, Right.
1: Yep, and uh, we actually, this, our board, I brought it to the board before um, voting took place that if, because your BA membership is only good through the calendar year that you bought it, so I said, hey, can we extend these memberships through the end of 24 so you can vote for officer and shoot mm. worlds and that right. passed. so now if you buy your membership now, it's good till the end of next year, so you gotcha. get a little extra time with that.
0: Very cool, very cool. So, so you know, kind of moving forward, do you have any goals? I guess I know we talked a little bit about some of the stuff, but do you have any like goals of of moving forward with the BA past? You know, this going into next season, I guess.
1: Um, My main goal is going to be to obviously have a very increase in our paid membership, yep. and I want to increase um, the women and youth that we see out there. You know. You can, I've mm-hmm. gone to several large events and you'll see maybe a handful of kids and it's even less women shooters. Right. So I want to, you know, get more of those de- demographics involved and have a better participation and get more reps and states and see what we can do to um, just continue growing this organization that has been around since forever, pretty right. much. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, so we have right now uh, the 2024 Worlds is going to be in Kentucky, and um, yeah. right now there's some pop-up auctions on the BA website or, or Facebook page, excuse me. Um, you know what are what are those, and how can someone submit bids for those, Christina?
1: So, if somebody is interested in donating to be part of the auctions, um, they can either reach out to us on their website or Facebook, or they can message justin cook directly okay. he's been handling all of the auctions and donations um getting all that money the funding for worlds you know worlds does not have a bank account it's whatever the host brings into it so sure. justin and his crew have been doing awesome getting those pop-up auctions going and they've all had a pretty good turnout you know we don't have a set schedule for them we're kind of been making them a little more fun right now since we are still so far out from June, Mm -hmm. but it is nice to have money coming in so they know what they can buy and how payouts can look and how that'll all help work out at the end. Mm
0: -hmm. And some of these pop-up auctions are, some of them are guided bullfishing trips in certain states. Um,
1: Yes, I think we're going to have a couple more guys coming up too which is going to be pretty
0: cool right and you've got um of course gear i'm i've seen gear on there already and um a lot of a lot of neat stuff so you know if you are into the bow fishing and everything and you want to maybe go to a different state on a trip you can put in a bid um right there on the facebook page and if you're the highest bidder um you can win that so um if you want to look for some of that stuff go to the bow fishing association of america's Facebook page and put in some bids for that, and and then that money right there will go to the to the payouts. Is that correct, in Christina, for next year's world? Yep, yep. It'll go
1: towards the payouts. I know some of the money has already been used to buy the elusive belt buckles that everybody okay. you yep. know mm-hmm. wants to win so much. Right, right. Um, starting to order some things like um, swag and you know shirt designs, all that stuff. Um, takes money, so. Mm-hmm. We're trying mm-hmm. to get as much in to get all of the little necessary stuff. And then, yes, to build up that large pot that obviously people want as well.
0: Right, right. So that's really cool that, you know, those bids are out there and auctions and stuff and the money goes to a higher payout. So if you do place in the in the payout money for next year, you're going to get a little more money back because of these auctions. Really cool deal. That's right. Mm-hmm. And a
1: good deal on something you might need, too.
0: Right, exactly. You might get a pretty good price on a guided bow fishing trip <laughs> in a different state. Exactly. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, this is another one of my favorite questions I like to ask because this varies a lot. You know, um, what is your favorite bow memory? memory?
1: <laughs> after you had messaged me and I was looking over and I was I asked my husband, I was like, "What? what is your favorite? And he's like, why are you asking me? I said, well... <laughs> you know guys just have a way with remembering details and stories and events and because him and I competed I think probably the best would be when we got married we started competing in tournaments and it was just the two of us Mm -hmm. and we would show up at events you know most most teams are three to four man teams of men and take it very seriously and here's this husband and wife couple showing up like what are y'all doing here and (laughs) And we were really hard. We we won a lot, a lot of tournaments. It might have been a little tournament. It might have been a big tournament. But it was just always so cool spending that time together and then being successful in it. Um, That has been one of our favorite memories. Um, Going to Louisiana the other year, um, shooting World for my first time, experiencing Louisiana. That is a whole other world in itself Mm -hmm. from Virginia for sure.
0: Yep, absolutely it is. Yep, yep.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I it was lucky enough, my team, um, they went down there and did all the hard work of scouting <laughs> while I held down the fort here, but uh, yep. uh, went down there and I was able to shoot one of my first gator gar and nice. one lady's big fish there. So that was a pretty awesome experience. Heck yeah. You um, the traveling, you know, there's been so many make shooting records winning tournaments, but really it's just been experiencing it with close friends and, and traveling mm-hmm. and seeing different things that, you, you know, you can explain to people and show pictures, but it's really, you know, unless you're there, right? it's hard to explain.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, it, that, the part about showing somebody a picture is they don't see the adrenaline that's going on at that moment, Right at that moment, what's going all on. Of, mm-hmm. All of
1: the work and luck and how everything just came play together just right to make that one, uh, Moment um, happened. Like I mentioned earlier, when I had put in my bid for worlds, I held uh, a tournament called the Monster Bash out here that same year. And we shot our worlds, you know, boundaries and stuff like that. And I added a numbers side pot that was optional because we don't have a lot of numbers tournaments out here. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to show people that that could be successful, not Louisiana successful or, you know, <laughs> bunch of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Still could be, still could be a good time. Right. Um, and we ended up winning that in a Big Ten with uh, all grass carp and four hundred and seventy-five pounds. Oh and wow! And people were like, they were like, "There's no way." And I was just tried to, I was like, "We tried to tell y'all it was a good, this was good out here." You know, we have a lot of big fish. Yeah. Um, and so that was my whole point was I just wanted people's eyes to be opened up to what the East Coast does have right. to offer. Because mm-hmm. you don't hear about it a lot. Exactly. You know, you might hear South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, but not so much Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that has been awesome experience.
0: So I'm just curious because being from Wisconsin here, we have a lot of inland lakes and rivers and stuff like that there. When you say tidal waters and stuff like that there, is it large bays that come in? inland that you're you're bullfishing on like for example the grass carp and stuff I'm just curious of where these I mean are they in brackish waters up grasses and stuff
1: they are in um, like freshwater rivers okay right. um, more which is the closer you get obviously to the ocean it becomes brackish okay um, we will sometimes we'll have we'll see grass carp towards the more brackish part of it but for the most part they are more okay. gotcha. inland middle of the state type rivers
0: all right because that's what i was wondering how far like into the brackish water do these mainly freshwater fish venture you know
1: well we have shot stingrays and we've shot gar and both in the same stretch of water (laughs) so it was it's crazy to see and even snakeheads have been getting more into the brackish salty water so that um we call that the super slam when you can shoot snakeheads and stingrays in the same day, which are kind of both right, right. bucket list fish for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Because of how the stingrays will come up to spawn and the snakeheads have adapted and gone more into the brackish
0: water. Hmm. That's really crazy. That's really crazy. And, and you know, you see that down uh, in Louisiana as well. Like last year in Worlds, they shot a, a ton of silvers down there. And it's just... Yes. So weird for me to think about those fish being in a little bit of a you know, I'm not sure if they were in brackish water or not, but it just seems so weird that those fish traveled that far down south already. It's just crazy because, um, you know, it, you see an invasive species like that, and I think they can adapt so well to yeah. different environments. Like here in the Midwest, you know, you get it gets cold in the wintertime but yet they're still moving on up this way slowly, but surely they keep moving on up and down South. They just keep slowly moving down South and spreading more and more. So I think that in the long run, I think a lot of these invasive fish will adapt even more to some of the brackish waters and there could be even more issues, you know?
1: I I agree because you will be surprised where people will have sometimes will shoot, you know, like you said, the invasive species. And you're like, this is, for salty water like it's border it's pretty much more salt water than even brackish <laughs> and they're just thriving down there wow so it's definitely um you can be down there shooting for one species and oh my goodness why is there a carp down here and right. we're shooting snakeheads yeah. or stingrays you're like what is this <laughs> common doing <laughs> he is lost <laughs> Whoa, that
0: is crazy now i've been to uh to delaware uh bullfishing stingrays um I'm assuming that you have the same stingrays. You got the cow nose and the southern atlantics and stuff like that. Uh, Any other species that um, are of of, of rays that are in your area down there?
1: Uh, Not in Virginia. We do not have those beautiful butterfly rays like Delaware has. That is definitely on my bucket list uh, Mm -hmm. trip for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We mostly will target the southern. Atlantics and Counters. Okay, um, they come up in in numbers usually. Um, I like to call it the summer holiday. So from Memorial Day to Labor Day, mm-hmm. they are they are pretty far upriver. It's crazy to me how far up rivers they will come hmm. um, to migrate for the summertime and and to spawn.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's I, I I've always said I'd like to try this on a bighead, like on the Ohio River, is the tag one.
1: Mm,
0: yeah, and, and to see where that thing goes throughout the whole year, because yeah, uh, that
1: would be so interesting. I think
0: it would be amazing. I can't believe that nobody, and maybe they do that. I just never saw the results from it, but you know, because I love I love big heads. I love shooting big heads, and uh, a lot of tournaments were targeting big heads in tournaments, and they're the most darn stubborn fish you ever wanted to scout. No. You know, and, and it just be so curious to see what do those fish do? Because one night you might see 500 of them and they might be dumb as a box of rocks and they don't care <laughs> if you're shining them with the lights or nothing. And the next night you won't see a single one. And it's the same it, temperature, the same wind. You know, it's just crazy. where did they go?
1: It is. And that's what, for, for a couple of years, I was keeping track of where we would fish, you know, what time of year it was, what we shot. Mm -hmm. And because it would, like you said, you would go back a day or two later and they'd be gone. Like, okay, now I know that they were here last night. I didn't make that up. (laughs) It is is so crazy. You can tell people, yeah, 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 go right there. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and
0: they're all right there. Exactly. And I've talked to a lot of people that say, you know, oh, you should go out here and shoot them. There's so many of them out here. They they really think that there. invasive fish and like a carp and stuff, they think that they're dumb. They're really not dumb. They're pretty smart. You know, they're not they, dumb fish.
1: <laughs> they, you're exactly right. I mean, we could be out on the lake, you know, riding around in the daytime and fishermen will be like, oh my goodness, there's all these gar, you know, sunning and, or there's all these carp spawning. You guys should come back here. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, oh yeah, go home, get the gear, come back that night and not a fish to be found.
0: Yeah. yep. Yep. Everybody like thinks you were it's so literally,
1: easy. you were just there in daytime, you know, spawning and, and sunning. And now I come back a couple hours later and it's just nobody. <laughs> right. It's
0: crazy. It's crazy. So I guess with that, Christina, we're going to wrap up the Bullfishing fishing buzz podcast episode 70. Um, really thank you so much for joining us and for really stepping up and, um, and becoming the new BA president uh, because, like I said, this is all your time and on your time. Uh, you're not getting paid for this. You're you're not getting, you know, uh, a nice little check for this here. So um, we really appreciate you stepping up and doing this for the bowfishing community. We all appreciate it very much and for what you do out on the East Coast as well there in your home state. Um, thank you so much for, for stepping up and helping everybody.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, and we look forward to a a wonderful year, and hopefully we'll have a big turnout. We're already starting to plan our spring meeting for next year, so hopefully we can get some of those dates out and have a good turnout and start the year year off good.
0: Well, very cool. Well, you have uh, a rest of the uh, good October here, and uh, we wish you all the best out in Virginia. And uh, thanks again for joining us, Christina. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 70 of the Bowfishing Buzz brought to you by AMS Bowfishing and Mega Mouth Bowfishing, episode number 70 here. And uh, thank you so much to Christina Hayden for joining us. Um, how cool is that? Uh, the new BAA president. And uh, really looking forward to working with the BAA and everything like that there. So um, you got to love it, man. Bowfishing, the outdoors. It's October, baby. Get out there and enjoy it because the lakes are clearing up. The weeds are dying off. There's big fish to be had. Um, I just saw a post on Facebook here of a couple of buddies that I know were down in the Mississippi River. And they pounded some giants. Um, Josh Canusa shot a 44 or something like that pound black buffalo. Oh, it was awesome. So get out there. Get out in the outdoors. Get in the woods. Get on the water and enjoy it. So from all of us here at Amos Bowfishing wish you the best of luck remember aim low think big see you next time folks